You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi alongside me, Taylor Dammel. We are brought to you by Belly Up Media. You heard it at the very beginning. Go download, subscribe, rate, and review us on whichever device it is that you use. Your college hooper of the day, Manu Lecomte. You remember old Manu? Yeah, not Ginobili, but Manu Lecomte, former Baylor guard. But before that, he was at Miami. I think he was fighting for minutes. I believe it was with Angel Rodriguez there down in Coral Gables. And he took his talents to Waco and to Baylor. And he was an electric little point guard. I really liked Manu there uh, under Scott Drew. So Manu Lecomte, he is your college hooper of the day. Check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel. Let's open the curtains. just about 20 minutes removed from the Indiana Northwestern game. What an awesome finish. What a great game. Indiana comes storming back. Boo, don't swim past the buoy with the game winner for the Wildcats there. What a fun, fun Big Ten matchup. Of course, it was on Big Ten Network. Could have used that on ESPN. Could have used that on FS1. I think FS1 was was scheduled for NASCAR racing or something like that, some sort of racing, just terrible. There's no football. It's college basketball season, but what an awesome game that was, Taylor. And then I'd be remiss if, if I didn't shout out for Indiana, four free throws on two consecutive technicals that their bench and then Mike Woodson got. I think those were kind of weak, kind of lame, um, but awesome, awesome game. And now Northwestern sitting in sole possession of second place in the Big Ten. Who would have thunk it, T? Well, us the other day, that's who would have thunk it. Yeah. I mean, what a what a great win for Northwestern, all but cementing themselves into the tournament at this point, um, I, I would say. I mean, they're, they're in. Yeah. At this point, they're going to finish at worst, you know, 10 and eight in conference uh, in one of the best conferences in America. Um, they're certainly going to get over the 20 win mark before uh, even the conference tournament starts. So, yeah, I mean, they're in. You could tell that the crowd – uh, Coach Collins, everybody kind of knew that this was the that if they did, hadn't clinched it all uh, last weekend uh, against Purdue, that this was you know this was the one. And I feel great for him. I mean, we we talked about them uh, for quite a while uh, on the last episode, but uh, 
for it to come together like that in such an exciting finish uh, at home, you know, your two best games, two biggest games of the year at this point in a row, uh, really couldn't be happier for them. And they look like, I mean, obviously this kind of goes without saying, I mean, they, they look like a legit team. Like that's just someone that could, could not, you know, win a game or two. I'm not giving them much more than that, but definitely a team that could win a, a game or two in March, especially uh, with Boo Booey at the helm there. Chase Audige as well, but you're right, Taylor. And I think what's most impressive for a team like this who hasn't really ever been there, historically speaking, we mentioned this last episode. Number one, this actually might be a record for us, two consecutive Titch episodes where we're talking about Northwestern hoops. And it might be because the stars aligned where they got to play the number one team in the country in Purdue at home, and then they turn around and face a top 15 team in Indiana, two great programs. So this might be a record-breaking type of performance from us here talking about Northwestern on Titch twice in a row, but also the, the fact that there was no hangover from the Purdue game. They came out guns blazing, knowing like you had said, Hey, I think if we win this game, we're in and they did not play with their food. And Indiana is a tough, tough nut to crack. They showed their resilience, their fortitude, and they came all the way back to tie it until boo booey broke their heart. But I give a ton of credit to Northwestern for coming out laser focused and building what I believe was a 21 point lead at its maximum. And I mean, you want to talk about laser focus. This is a team that only turned the ball over four times against Indiana. I mean, that's execution. That's, I mean, that's exactly, of course, perfectly what you just said. A lot of times with these quote unquote lower level teams or teams that aren't expected to win these type of games, you knock off the number one team in the country. And what inevitably happens is you get smoked your next game because you, you laid it all out there. You had nothing left in the tank and your execution fails. Your preparation fails. This was quite the opposite. They took that and really rose to the occasion. I mean, four turnovers in a college basketball game is absurdly low. Um, and so, yeah, that gives me a lot of confidence in what I said up front is this is a team that if this, if this is how they react and how they prepare coming into big games, that's certainly nothing but a great sign, not even a good sign, but a great sign headed towards uh, the stretch of the season. Last episode, I said that it seemed as if Chris Collins was doing his second rebuild. The first one obviously came in 2017 when they went, made their first ever NCAA tournament. And then I think at the very beginning of this second rebuild is when Boo Booey showed up. And Boo Booey is now at the tail end of this, and he's reaping the rewards of all the work and effort that he put in at the beginning of this probably tough experience for him, at least in terms of winning. And now the young man's going to go to the NCAA tournament. I hope he seizes the moment and and really shows out. He's going to be one of those guys, Taylor, where I think we're going to look in the tournament. Maybe he drops 30-plus points per game because those are the folks, those are the kids, those are the players that you really focus in on where you're like, these guys aren't playing for Kansas or Baylor or Texas where they're pretty much it's a birthright to go to the NCAA tournament. They're going to show out. What is Indiana going to do if Trace Jackson Davis doesn't have like a 25, 12, and 10 game during the tournament? Just lose right there in the first round. I got to I mean, see that, their path. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what he had tonight. Yeah, first, first player, uh, not tonight, but uh, I meant to bring it up on the last episode, but uh, first player, I think, in Big Ten history with four consecutive weeks of Big Ten player of the year or something like that. Uh, or wow. bit player of the week. 
yeah, I mean, he's been lights out, but God, what what are you going to do? I mean, that, he, that's what his stat line tonight was like 23, 12, and 8, and you lose to Northwestern. You know, <laughs> as much as I've been complimenting them this whole time, right? Again, like you just said, we're not exactly talking about a blue bud program of the world. So, yeah, what Indiana has come into the season with super high expectations and has somewhat met them, I guess, to this point in the season. But, I mean, it's not exactly a hot take to say they're only going to go as TJD takes them, and even that might not be enough. Yeah, I think we saw that even last year in the play-in game uh, where they were featured. But it's kind of unfair. But at this point, you got to just say, hey, Jalen hood Shafino, you have to be number two. Maybe when if they get Race Thompson back, I think he played last night. And we'll see how he incorporates himself back into the offense. I guess you could potentially rely on a couple threes from Miller Cop, but he's gonna. I, I think if you can get three threes from Miller Cop, that's probably good enough. But he should be contributing a little bit more. And then Trey Galloway, he's kind of like a glue guy. Trey Galloway's a. I want to say he's good on defense. Boo Boo, he can actually hit the game winner over him. I think he was a little off balance. But Trey Galloway will do the dirty work and he'll give you some layups. But you're right. I mean, it goes as far as TJD does. And if they want to be a second weekend team, I think we're going to need a, a significant step up from either a Miller Cop, uh, Jalen Hood, Shafino, or maybe even a Race Thompson when he gets back. I thought I thought Race Thompson was going to have a little bit of a better year than he's had so far. Uh, it's a little bit surprising to me that he's only averaging like seven and a half points a game. Well, he That's was hurt, really, right? Yeah, but he's played in like 20 games this year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, he has been hurt during some of those games, you know. But 20 games is certainly a large enough sample size to say that if you were going to have a bigger year or not. But, you know, uh, some players show up late. Some, you know, maybe that's what maybe he's just saving it all for the end of the year here. But definitely something I think if you would have looked at how we played earlier in the year, or at least in the couple games in some of the larger matchups earlier in the year, they probably would have said, ah, this guy's going to average more than seven points a game. But yeah, someone, one of those kind of role players will definitely have to go on a, not even like a crazy stretch, but hey, I'm going to need 12 or 14 from you a night, not just like seven or eight from you a night. Take a little bit of the load off of TJD because you were right there still with him going God mode, but we'll see if the supporting cast can, can come together. Miller, do you want to be a, do you want to appear to be a cop or do you want to be a cop from uh, what is it? The departed. Actually, I might've flipped that Miller. Do you want to be a cop or do you want to appear to be a cop? Go ahead. Well, and, and when Trace Jackson Davis picks up like eight assists or whatever, like he does tonight, that's even more shocking. Cause it's like, these his other teammates are making maybe eight buckets a game, and what did he assist on every single one of them? But um, yeah, it's we're gonna need something more from him. Hat tip to Northwestern though, hell of a season. Enjoy it. I hope they continue to enjoy it. It's almost like Patrick Mahomes in the in the Super Bowl parade that we saw yesterday. That man hasn't stopped drinking since the final whistle. It would appear. And I'm hoping Northwestern, since the final whistle of that Purdue game, hasn't stopped celebrating because they can now parlay that into a win against Indiana and some crazy momentum moving forward. Good for you, Wildcats. Taylor, let's take it a step back, a couple days back, actually. Now we'll go a little bit more in chronological order. Tuesday night, Providence and Creighton in a Big East thriller. Double overtime game. Uh, Just a few takeaways for me. Devin Carter, what a menace. Absolute menace. Uh, on the defensive side of the basketball. I think he should be the defensive player of the year in that conference. But this was just a heavyweight battle 
between a team like Creighton, who a lot of folks had expectations for and have been surging of late, and then a team like Providence, where it's not even chic, cool, or funny to call them lucky anymore. We stopped that, I think, about a week or so, two weeks prior to last year's NCAA tournament. This is a gritty, tough, experienced group, and it's led by Ed Cooley. I've said it a million times. The guy has established the culture. Players change. Names change. That culture does not. And they continue to just pick themselves up off the deck. And I I submit to you, Taylor, if it's a close game down the stretch, PC's going to win that game. And how about this? I think they're 24-1 and in their last 25 in Providence. What an amazing win streak that is, especially in that conference. So Providence with a great win over the Blue Jays. What an entertaining, one of several entertaining games there uh, on a couple of double overtime games uh, there on Tuesday night. Uh, I was sweating out uh, both of them for, uh, from my picks from last week, but uh, we finally got some good wins instead of some bad beats on double overtime or overtime games. So good. good you get to me. celebrate too. Three and oh, man, pat, there's no need pat, to wait. My, me, I'm not even bringing that. Yeah. I'm bringing it up early in the program. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, this Provident team continues to uh, impress me. Like you said, they're tough. They're gritty. Uh, we spoke about turnovers just a second ago um, with Northwestern. Providence, just the same, just seven turnovers in a double overtime game against a ranked opponent in, in Creighton. Um, one problem for me I have with Creighton. Do you know who my problem is going to be with, CB? Uh, I'm just going to take a guess and say it's Baylor Shireman because that I personally don't think he guess. raises their ceiling. All right, good. I'm glad we're in lockstep. And I'm completely with you because he's a guy who came in, you know, just as a star – you know, maybe not a star, but a, a, a star from a mid-major program. I mean, last year, this dude shot 47% from three. And the year before, he shot 44% from three. This year, just 38% from three. Um, and just 43% from the field, uh, averaging a career high in turnovers. Uh, and this is second uh, second most points uh, of four years that he's uh, averaged, which is not a good thing, or, or second least, I should say. Um, and you look at last night. He's the guy who's, you know, who's taking a lot of these big shots as he should, I guess. Um, obviously, Nemhard's there as well. Uh, Kalkbrenner's just not going to necessarily have the ball in his hands for better or for worse down the stretch in some of these, uh, you know, uh, close games, overtime type of matchups. So, uh, Shireman went like two of twelve from three last night, and he he looks like a guy who went from having the extreme green light to now not having the extreme green light. And sometimes in, in these late game situations, I'm not sure if he understands if it's like it's second nature for him to pull. And then, but at the same time, it's like everyone around you is just as talented as you are. It now you're not the guy on the team anymore. And so I, I feel like there's a little uncomfortable, even though we're 25 games in this season, I feel like there's a little uncomfortability there or uh, late in the first, uh, late in the second half. And then, first overtime and second overtime, he would get the ball and just pull it. And it was like, ah, I'm not sure that was the shot. Like there's 24 seconds left in the shot clock. We could get a better shot than this. So I would have thought that that was kind of figured out by now. Um, I don't know if it is, but he can't have performances like he did uh, last or two nights ago. Uh, if they're going to have any success in the tournament, 
um, unless Cockbrenner or someone like that has a big game. I, I, they're going to need more from Shireman. I really, really like this Creighton team when but when Shireman's on, but if they're He's not on. I'm not sure he knows how to take that second or even third fiddle step step back, and that's kind of what he is on this team, or maybe should be on this team. I like those stats that you had thrown out there, and he's diminished and reduced in those stats, obviously, this year. First and foremost, the Big East is a different beast than what Baylor Shireman's been playing in Providence, and your opponents are different than South Dakota State and those opponents, right? And I think we actually got a taste of that literally – in Shireman's last game last season because it was a loss against Providence and a ton of people were on the Jackrabbits to upset Providence because there was still that narrative that they were lucky as hell and everyone like any mid-major this year and the next year and the year after that they will identify this guy on a stat sheet and last year that was Baylor Shireman and everyone was saying Baylor Shireman's going to cook Providence that did not happen that did not happen whatsoever last year. So we kind of saw it, what happens with Baylor. And he's still a fine player. He's good. But I I, I compare it to what we heard about in the offseason and how this transfer made Creighton the clear-cut number one team in the Big East. I never bought that. And to your point about his shot selection, it's not like Creighton doesn't have terrific options outside of him. And as a matter of fact, they should be leveraging those options. Andrew Nemhard played incredibly well against Providence. He should have been the one shooting the ball in crunch time. Have folks forgotten about Arthur Kaluma? He's still a really good option. It feels as if Kaluma has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. Maybe I'm not following enough Creighton hoops, but he should be a, a threat to score. Nemhard should be a threat to score. Get some paint touches for for Kalkbrenner, maybe not at towards the end of games, but establish him down low and maybe play inside out. Kaluma can take it to the rack. You dump it down low to Kalkbrenner as well. Play inside out with the two guards in Shireman and and uh, the point guard Nemhard. So I'm with you in in the sense that I just have never bought into Baylor Shireman raising Creighton's ceiling. Well, and it'd be okay if your stats diminished, if you had a diminished role, right? Like uh, Remy Martin, haven't talked about that guy in a while, right? Remy Martin, his stats went way down at Kansas, right? But he, in theory, or maybe even in practice, I guess I should say, had a huge impact on that Kansas team. Maybe even a better impact than he had on any of his uh, 17 years he spent at ASU before he went to Kansas, right? Problem with... Shireman, Shireman's taking the same amount of shots as he did. And he's turning the ball. He's making less, significantly less. He's taking more threes, making significantly less. And he's turning the ball over more. And the ball is, in theory, not in his hands as much because he's not the man. So it's like not only are your stats diminished, but it's not like your F, your the amount of time you have the ball or the amount of shots you're putting up is less and you're actually touching the ball less and turning it over more. These are all not good. <laughs> These are all not a winning formula for, uh, for basketball here. I'll tell you what, I cannot wait for the big East tournament though. You talk about teams like Providence, the defending champ. You talk about, a uh, uh, Villanova who's actually getting kind of hot right now. Creighton's obviously going to be a threat. We got Marquette who we'll get to in a little bit. Right. Um, UConn, Xavier, that is this is going to be a great uh, Big East tournament. I think we got a taste of it between Providence and Creighton. So hat tip to the Friars. They just keep rolling, especially at home. Taylor, Illinois, 
what the hell do we make of Illinois? The most Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde team of the season. If you want to, if you, if you want to try and get a pulse on these guys, it's impossible because I think they could make it to the elite eight. Think about their performance against UCLA, or they can get destroyed in the very first game that they play in the NCAA tournament. Reason I bring this up, they lose to Penn State by double digits. It was never close. I just don't see this team playing consistently well whatsoever. We have a big enough sample size. It's February 16th, and Taylor, as much as I I like to play the hot and cold when I'm picking teams to go far, I need, I need some level of consistency. I am just not getting it from Illinois, and I think I'm going to have to take them losing round of 64 or round of 32 because they're just way too prone to, to laying up stinkers. And you know, I'm a Micah Shrewsbury guy, but they've been struggling mightily. This game was nowhere near close. I don't know what the hell to make of Illinois, which kind of means that I do know what to make of them. I'm out. Well, defensively, they were terrible yesterday. They they gave up like fifty eight percent shooting from from Penn State. You know, not to this was unintentional, but not to harp on turnovers for the third consecutive discussion. But how do you only turn the ball turn the ball over seven times and shoot forty eight percent on the road and lose by double digits to Penn State of all teams? Like that's that's the only way that could happen is to, uh, uh, the, the defensive side of the ball. Even though the metrics say that they're an okay defensive team. Uh, they seem to have these lapses like like Penn State uh, against Penn State. Now, there was maybe a particular person who didn't miss yesterday, a Jalen Pickett, perhaps. We'll hear more about him later in this program. I have a feeling as well. So that's hel- that's helpful. But at the same time, it's like, okay, uh, let's just say this was a tournament situation and s- some guy is going off on you. Could we do something about it? Like you're, you know, like just we're just gonna let the guy just not miss for the whole game, score forty one. I'm not saying that guys can't go off and stuff like that, but I mean, he, this to score forty one points in a college basketball game is an extremely difficult thing to do. So to allow someone to go off like that against you is not ideal. Um, and you're right. What I make of them is I don't know what to make of them as well. And I'm echoing your same exact thoughts on that. You know, they've beaten, I mean, I guess they've been good enough to beat like the lower half of the big 10, I guess, you know, they did have that win over Texas early in the year too. That went over UCLA. I don't know. <laughs> like, like, but the problem is, it's a, go ahead, go you know, ahead. it's, it's a, what have you done for me lately type of deal? Those games were in November, maybe early December. You know, in terms of what's been happening lately, you know, lost to Penn State, lost to Iowa, lost to Indiana. You know, they beat Nebraska, okay, beat Ohio State, okay, beat Rutgers, okay, but not nothing to hang their hat on in the new year. And I think that's really the problem. Well, okay, I I forgot that they beat Rutgers, which is actually a decent win, I guess, and we'll actually get to Rutgers here in a second. I just there's too much inconsistency with with the Illini and they are way too prone to putting up these stinkers. It's almost as if nothing's really changed because they were in an absolute war with Chattanooga last year in the first round and barely escaped. And then they end up losing, I believe it was the next round. So the the Illini just terrify me. What a horrifying team. Uh, real quick, Taylor, let's move to the ACC. Syracuse beat NC State. I've been on the Keats bandwagon for a while, pretty much ever since he got hired, which aligns with the start 
of this podcast. NC State was at was ranked number 23. I'm looking at Syracuse. I'm looking at their record. I'm looking at this kind of win. They're 16 and 10. You know what you know what it is, Taylor. You absolutely know these guys are going to be right on the bubble and most likely on the right side of the bubble because contrary to what a lot of folks may say, don't listen to these people. The ACC is actually pretty darn good. Just because Pitt is is going to potentially lead this conference alongside UVA or or Miami doesn't mean that the ACC is down. I actually think they're going to get a multiple number of teams. But Syracuse, it's, they. Th- this is their MO now, Taylor. It's no longer Final Four runs. It's no longer one to four seeds. It's no longer eye-popping NBA players like Carmelo Anthony, okay, or uh, Malachi Richardson, Flynn, one of the Malachis who got drafted by the Raptors. I might be confusing him with an SDSU Malachi. I don't know. That was probably Too a terrible Malachi. example. Are you thinking a Johnny Flynn Malachi? Uh, oh, maybe, but the, but there's <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and there's a Malachi Flynn from STSU. Look, at the end of the day, this is Syracuse's mo, and it's going like twenty twenty two and ten, or like twenty and twelve, and living dangerously on the bubble. I think that's going to happen again this year. I mean, they're not even. I don't know. I, I don't even think they're on the bubble quite yet at this point. I mean, I hope not. I'm fine. Yeah. The problem is, is their schedule down the stretch is pretty tasty. If you're trying to make the tournament, they, you know, they got Duke, they got Duke, Clemson, Pitt, Georgia tech, wake, not exactly world world beaters there. I'm going to push back a little bit on you think, and you thinking the ACC is, 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 better than we're we're saying and then i read off those names and those that's like two of the top three in the conference and none of those guys uh come across as very good to me but um yeah that, i don't know you are right you, but you are right they're probably going to win five or, win two in a row in the uh, uh big east tournament or uh, acc tournament yes yeah, sneak in there get to play like some other get to play Kentucky or something in the play-in game where no and that Kentucky team just isn't shit and they're not going to care and then they're going to yeah I, I'm already annoyed with Bayheim's press conferences just annoyed with him in general I can't believe that we still have to deal with this guy because there's just no like if you're not a Syracuse is there one Syracuse person who's like I love Jim Bayheim there cannot be one we said the same thing after his interaction with Jared Grosso, friend of the program, Jared Grosso. Yeah, he had exactly. a little bit of a mix-up with Kevin Keats. They at least exchanged some words. It didn't look super civil, is what I would say. Syracuse so I don't know, is, Taylor. Yeah, Syracuse is horrible defensively, though. Is also the deal. They're like terrible defensively. So how they've won nine games in this conference as being as bad as they are defensively so other than let's see this is a classic like if Syracuse wasn't on the front of their jersey would we even care when they got to the tournament no but we've seen them pull off the same bullshit a handful of times now and I'm not excited to watch it again yeah neither am I that threat is always there it's almost like UConn when the least you expect UConn to go and win a national title that's when they do so uh, Syracuse I guess welcome back to the bubble but yeah we'll see few few more few more wins and then i think we're going to have to start being nervous about them taylor 
Rutgers, I had mentioned them briefly. They lose at home to Nebraska. The point I want to make about Rutgers is apologies. Maybe I'm accelerating this process too much for Steve Peichel and his boys, but right now you are a tournament team. I think that's the expectation. And when Steve Peichel took over the job, that was not the expectation. So to get to, to get the, the Scarlet Knights to this point is really remarkable and should be commended. But you can't just stop at being an NCAA tournament team. And I understand that it's Rutgers, but I want to see this team do well and continue to evolve and get better. So we're at the point now where I kind of expect them to be an NCAA tournament team. That means you cannot lose at home to Nebraska. It cannot happen. That's like the the, the biggest hiccup misstep. And we talk about a team like Northwestern where they had every excuse, every reason to come out flat against Indiana after a huge win against the number one team in the country. And what do they do? Come out firing on all cylinders and were pretty perfect in that first half. Rutgers, when we see them pretty much solidified in the NCAA tournament, what are they doing? They lose to Nebraska, inexcusable loss. And I just want to see Rutgers. I'm not asking them to be a one through three seed, but I am expecting them to not have these terrifying losses in February when you are not exactly a shoo-in just yet for the tournament. Well, and what's been our thing with Rutgers for the last couple of years? They do what at home? They win every home game, right? They're tough to play at home. They've lost at home three times this year, and they're four games back. Well, there you go. Uh, You know, usually they've been – uh, a, a phenomenal, I would say, home team. No matter no matter what they've done on the road, they've been very tough at home, and they just haven't been like that this year. And, yeah, I mean, talk about almost the worst possible timing. They've now lost three in a row, none of them to good teams, and now you're losing to Nebraska at home, the ghost of um, uh, uh, Terrence Petaway. Is that who used to play for Nebraska? Like so. the last time they were good? That yeah. was Nebraska ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um I don't another team I don't really know what to make of if they do make the tournament I'm taking them to lose probably the, in the first round. I just don't think very highly of this team at all. If they're not playing at the rack then I don't even I don't even care, really. And even so now they're losing at home. So I not a lot of value there in this team for me. It's it stinks because I want them to take the next step. And maybe I'm putting Rutgers on this pedestal because there's tons of teams just like them. But when you have a great coach in Steve Peichel, you have a seasoned veteran guard in Paul Mulcahy, and then Caleb McConnell. I think he's one of the best defenders in the entire conference. I'm waiting for you to just take that next step and take care of business. Well, that's the only thing they have going for them is that they are very good defensively or can be very good defensively. Their offense, their reverse Syracuse, their offense is atrocious. But their defense can step up at times. Does defense travel? People have told me that. I'm not sure if that's true. Uh, I'm not sure if you match up against a team that's uh, way bigger or better than you. If that defense travels thing is going to work, if you have to defend like a Zach Eady, I don't think that matters quite as much, you know, uh, because they just, who matches up with someone like that? Nobody. So um, yeah, they, they are good defensively, but even so they gave up 82 at home to Nebraska, all that being said. So I don't care how good you are defensively. If you're giving up 82 to Nebraska at home, maybe the metrics aren't quite telling us the whole story. I mentioned Mulcahy. I mentioned Caleb McConnell. Cam Spencer is a dead eye shooter. He's, he's really good. 
Cliff Omarui, one of the better big men in the entire conference. They have they have it there. They just got to lock in and understand that, hey, just because folks realize or recognize you as an NCAA tournament team doesn't mean you can take your foot off the gas. Because at the end of the day, Rutgers, you are still maybe a tier five kind of team, tier four, tier five kind of team. We, we just like you because you're one of those teams that used to absolutely stink, but you have a fun home environment. And you're starting to put together wins. Just, just keep it going. I want to see you take that next next step in the maturation process. Uh, another troubling loss at home, and I'll touch on it a little later. But New Mexico lost to Wyoming. That can't happen, especially with how hot they started. Go ahead, Taylor. Oh, I was going to say I I don't have the research to back this up, but I wonder when in a we're not they're not in a mid major conference, obviously, right? So this take this with a grain of salt or whatever we want to say. Like when's the last time the last undefeated team in the country didn't make the tournament? I mean, it, it has happened, but I'm sure it happens all the time when you're talking about like a mid majors. Uh, yeah. Where they go 31 and two on the year and then they don't win their conference tournament and they don't make the tournament. I, I know that happens, but in a non mid major conference, I wonder the last time that has happened because that's exactly where they're trending at this point. It's, and it's, it's, they're starting to get into some dire straits right now. They're firmly on the bubble now at this point, and they are not showing any signs of positivity coming up here. How many losses do they have on the season now? Seven now, I think. Yeah, they were they were eighteen and zero, <laughs> and now they're nineteen and seven. That's not ideal. Yeah, there's. I just know if you if you go inside the mind of a young college athlete you know for a fact that they are looking ahead to games. You know for a fact that if they're coming off of a two-game losing streak, they're circling a Wyoming who's been crippled with injuries. They're circling that game, and they're saying, all right, that's a win. We'll get right and and move forward. And then that game wasn't even competitive. Rutgers, the same way. You said they've lost three straight now, the latest being the Nebraska game. I'll almost guarantee those players were saying, all right, we're at the rack. We got Nebraska, one of the worst teams in the conference. Let's get right and then start moving. It takes effort. It takes like that. That stuff doesn't just magically happen. And these teams, albeit their records, not, not showing it. They have talent coming in as well. So you can't take your foot off the gas whatsoever. And that's exactly what Rutgers and New Mexico did. Uh, let me correct myself. It was 14 and 0, 14 and 0 before they uh, started losing a bunch of games. And, you know, you look at their next game, you've got a, you've got, they play San Jose state next, a team that's been at San Jose state, a team that's been surprisingly good, uh, you know, recently under Tim miles there. And then after that, you've got Boise state, a team that's leading the conference. Uh, you still got to, then you got to go and play San Diego state right after that too. It's, they could fall. They could lose easily. Lose those three games, and at that point, if they lose those three games, they're toast. Then they're out all the way out. Well, so maybe, but I could also see them making some damage in the Mountain West tournament. I could see them going on a run in Vegas because that tournament's going to be insane. There's going to be teams that that make these runs, and I actually might take them in the Jerome. I would just be. I do think at this point they may need to win two games in in that conference tournament and then i think they'll be in i'll say this much i'd rather see patino in than Bayheim. oh well yeah well yeah sure both patinos uh, yeah exactly you would have to be and i'm not saying they're not um but you would have to be an extremely emotionally like mature 
college basketball team to make a run in your conference tournament after having the highest of highs, literally of any of these guys' college basketball careers. You're you're the last undefeated team in the country. You're kind of a darling. And then to fall all the way off a cliff uh, to a point where you would have to win the, the conference tournament to get in, it would be very, very, very impressive to me if they had that type of a maturity. And maybe they do. I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying we're not. that's not something you would see all that often unless you're Patrick Ewing in Georgetown like two years ago. Um, I, I would be very surprised if that happened. Rutgers, New Mexico, take that next step. We're imploring you. Kansas State, Taylor, they are coming off of two awful losses. You want to talk about a team that used to be a darling, not saying they're down in the pits. They're still probably around hovering around top 15, top 20 team, which is again, for context, very good. Nobody still expected them to be at that level under year one of Jerome Tang. Uh, they've, they've still exceeded expectations and they are for sure going to the NCAA tournament. The issue is now though, they are losing a bit of steam and I can see how this hot start is now catching up to them just a little bit. They lose to Texas tech last episode, the three wins for the, in the big 12 for Texas tech are so ridiculous. Iowa state, Kansas state, and then Texas top, top 15, all top 15 matches. So ridiculous. Uh, this sport is crazy, but Kansas state loses to tech. And again, I go back to this thought of, well, you know what? Kansas state, Hey, we're rolling and we got tech and we got Oklahoma and both of those games weren't necessarily competitive. Tech and Oklahoma are terrible teams. All right. And you can mention about how the big 12 is so good, but I don't think standing alone, Texas Tech and Oklahoma are very good teams. I think Kansas State is in dire, dire need of some home cooking. They need to get back to Manhattan, get back in, in their gym where it is one of the best home court environments, certainly in the Big 12. And they got to get these opportunities back rolling again. We see how they perform against top teams in Manhattan. They slipped up against Texas, sure, but beat Kansas. Now I think they got Iowa State coming to their dojo. So Kansas State, they got to do a bit of tightening. I'm not, this isn't, this has nothing to do with whether or not they're going to get in the tournament. I don't know. I don't have a decent pulse on how far I'm going to take them. But if we're going to talk about seeding, if we want to see Kansas State as a top four seed, they need to accelerate here and sweep at home this upcoming week and weekend. Yeah, I was going to say, this is it right now. I mean, I, like you said, they're going to make the tournament. That's, that's a non issue. Uh, by far at this point, but you got Iowa State and Baylor right here. You're two games back of the lead in the Big 12 is all. Um, talk about what we just talked about with New Mexico, uh, you know, maturity, or however you want to phrase that. Can you come together? Look at, you know, you're not trying to look ahead too far, but say, okay, we got a chance still to make some noise within the conference. We've slacked off uh, here over the last couple of games. Um but here, this is our time. We're playing, you know, two of the three best teams, two of the four best teams in the conference. Opportunity to rise to the top. Baylor plays Kansas this week as well. So that's, it could be a loss for Kansas there. A lot of opportunities still left uh, for Keontae Johnson and K-State. They're right there. And like you said, these games are at home, these next two. It's time to to get to Manhattan. Uh, every man a wildcat. Ema. You know, throw it up, <laughs> the whole deal. Uh, but you're right. I think this team just get back home, reset. They win these two games. We're we're having a whole nother discussion. Seven days, six days from today, if they win these next two games, we're talking about them as a as a top 
maybe two seed, you know, not even, not even a, Oh, are they going to go back to four to eight or whatever? If we're saying, Oh, are these, are they going to propel themselves to a top three or two seed? So this week is, is as big of a put up or shut up week as there is for anybody in college basketball. Yeah. The, the beauty of the big 12 is that there's always going to be opportunities. Even if you drop the ones that you probably should win. Well, Hey, you got two big dogs coming to your barn. Go ahead and take care of business. The only thing I'm a little concerned about, I feel as if Marquise Noel has been figured out just a little bit. Defenses have been keying in on him and actually limiting him, especially considering how he was performing in the first half of the season. Hasn't necessarily carried over to the second half. Let's see if he's able to get out of this funk and rebound. Uh, Keontae Johnson's been brilliant. Jerome Tang obviously has been really good. I'd like to see Kansas State rebound and at least split. Baylor's going to be very tough. Iowa State's winnable for sure at home. I think both of them are winnable. I think Baylor is going to be very tough though because their guard play is electric. Iowa State though, if you can split, I think that's a that's that's good business being done in Manhattan. Well, when you bring up Noel and you're making a great point here, you know, here's his three-point stats over the last handful of games. 2 for 9, 1 for 10, 3 for 7, okay. 0 for 5, 3 for 11. That's a bunch of games like that is just not going to get it done, especially against uh, equal or better opponents. Yeah. And you can get it. They can get away with it again. If they have a good seed, they can get away with that against inferior teams from inferior conferences. But I think they want to f- fry some bigger fish here. Sweet 16, Elite Eight. That's when you're probably going to have some rematches from Big 12 teams or Big 10 teams as well. Um, but Kansas State, they got to get right. Wisconsin over Michigan. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this game because both of them, I think, stink. Someone had to win the game. Wisconsin was the victor somehow withstanding their own 10-minute field goal drought, I think it was. Michigan, so stupid coming in with the ski masks, thinking that they're going to steal one in Madison. How are you stealing one? They stink just like you. This wouldn't be some crazy upset. I'm just so tired of both of these teams, kind of tired of both of these coaches, been tired of Wisconsin's players, no matter who goes through there, tired of Hunter Dickinson, enough of the charades from these teams. I don't want to hear about them being on the bubble. Finn. What an awful game. I said the loser of this game should be automatically done and have to win the Big Ten tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. So that's Michigan. But Wisconsin's terrible, too. Just disgusting all around, Taylor. Well, and could you be more tone deaf, Michigan, of what just happened in your state the night before? And then you wear a bunch of you wear face masks and like. That alone, that alone, that alone. I'm like, okay, you're, you're, you guys have just lost. Yep, you're, you're out for me because I understand that's not what they were going for. But it's like, Pat, could you just think for one second? And what is Jawan Howard doing? Like, he's cool with this. Like, what do we, what do we got going on here? Does, does anyone pay attention to the news or anything that's going on? Like, 80 miles from your own fucking campus? Come on, guys. So that's what struck me. I'm like, could you guys? That alone, I didn't even care about how the game turned out. I'm like, if these guys can't even figure this out, they certainly can't figure out basketball games going on in the future. Yeah, Juwan got teed up too. A tradition unlike any other, getting teed up when he plays Wisconsin. He, so. used, he was so cool when he started off as a coach too, and now he's just annoying. He's super like, annoying. Like last episode, we we gave a apology to uh, to Penny. He started off as cool kind of realize it's like okay cool's not gonna work it can it can be part of what i do not all of what i do juan howard i don't think he has any idea what he's doing out there 
lost the Wagners, and it's been downhill for him ever since. But yeah, both Michigan and Wisconsin, please get out of my face. I don't want to hear either of your names called on Selection Sunday. Let's get to the action from last night, Taylor. Vols over number one, Bama. Tough break for Bama. Congrats. You're ranked number one for the first time in 20 years. Here is your reward. Going to TBA against a stout Vols team, a top 10 Vols team. But good for Tennessee. I think my overall thought process for them is the defense is always going to be there, no matter where. It can be on a plane. It can be on an island in Hawaii. It can be in your kitchen. It will be there. The question is, will the offense be there? And they only need it in one venue, and it needs to be decent. 60, 60 plus points should be the goal for this volunteers team. I think they scored 67 and they won. Uh, they, they, they won as about as well as you can against Alabama who is scorching hot. So there are like, it does it count. Did we give them the kiss of titch? Does it count when you go Boston? on the road and play? No, no, no. Alabama. Alabama. No, I don't think so because we, I think we, you, we 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 were really looking forward to this game. But we literally did say they don't have a weakness and then they lost. But it, but at the same time it's like okay, they did lose on the road to a top 10 team. So yeah. uh, I'm not sure that was the kiss of titch. There's only two teams in the country who apparently the kiss of titch doesn't apply to and that's Kansas and UCLA. I think maybe that's it's because I don't ever maybe it's because I don't ever speak highly of UCLA. Maybe that's my problem. Maybe if I spoke more highly of Tiger Campbell, they would lose more games. Yeah. Um, Take one for the yeah. team. Yeah. And, but of course, Kansas, so I could just sit here all day long and be like, oh, they're going to win the national championship. And, and that's never a jinx. It's a jinx for every other team except for Kansas. It's just anyway. a good take. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So uh, Tennessee did what Tennessee does. though. Do what you do. A wise man once said. Uh, and that's what exactly what Tennessee did here. Play like shit on offense, but play so much better on defense and still win the game. I mean, Tennessee wins more games shooting 36% from the floor than any other team like ever. And they make like three threes a game and somehow still win. I'll take 36% though, man. Like if they're scoring in the sixties, that's respectable. Well, and the big thing is they, they, uh, they turned Alabama over 19 times and you turn another team over 20 times in a game. That's going to be good things for you. uh, No matter how good you are on offense, because you can get out and run, uh, Tennessee is certainly athletic enough to get out on the break once when they force steals and finish in transition. Um, so I like them in that regard, or at least, you know, on the, on the turning over uh, the other team regard. And yeah, they just, they're just so, there's such a funny team to watch because you're just like, it's not cringe. That's not the way to put it, but you're like, can, can, can we just, you're so, you, you can see it's all right there. Can someone just put the ball in the fucking hoop? Please, God, you know, like you, we know that you're athletic enough. We know you're skilled enough. We, we can watch this because on the defensive end, you were such a cohesive, like athletic group. And yet going the other way, they just can't get it going. But this does show how high of a ceiling that Tennessee still continues to have. Number one team in the country comes into our house. Boom. No big deal. We'll shut them down. We'll beat them by nine. We'll turn them over 20 times. That's what they can do. It, come tournament time. It's what they can probably do to all but six or eight teams in the country, maybe, in the tournament. Um, and they could probably do it to all of them, except uh, all of the teams that are super, super uh, good offensively and have some size. That's where they're going to struggle. So for Tennessee, 
it's just going to be all about matchups. That's what it's going to be in the tournament, right? Um, you know, this was a game. Well, let's see. We are on a with Tennessee. We have a six game theory, right? Yeah. So and is this is this the start? Let's see. Of that that's six what I'm game? That's it. Is this game? So, one? Uh, it is because they lost three yeah, of the last right. four. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. 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 So one, two, three, four, five. The six S actually works out really well for him. The sixth game was the first round of the tournament, a first round of the uh, conference, conference tournament. tournament. So they should almost just lose that on purpose because then they won the national championship. They'll only have to win six more games from there. So something yeah. to think about if you're a, if you're a Tennessee fan, maybe put a letter in, and say, hey, let's think about losing in the first round of the SEC tournament. Who knows if they even need to do it on or you know try to do that if if we're abiding by the six games. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty good at doing it naturally. Yeah, <laughs> they're just going to stink by game six. So whoever they get matched up against, it could be a team that they've already lost to, like a Vanderbilt. We'll see. But yeah, the Vols. The, the potential is there and Purdue and Tennessee, I think one of them is going to go far and the narrative around them. People are going to be spooked about not taking either of those teams far because of the narrative surrounding Matt Painter, because of the narrative surrounding Rick Barnes do not get left off. One of those teams will be going far. So don't, I, I would advise folks to, to avoid having Tennessee and Purdue like losing in the round of 32. I don't see that happening. Um, but yeah, the Vols with a major, major win. I, I Here's another thing I do see happening, though. Euros Plavsic is going to piss off the wrong person, and he's going to get a technical in the NCAA. He's going to have some foolish, foolish foul. The guy does not play basketball 100% of the game. He does some nonsense. In the first half, I think it was Javon Quinterly, the, the ref had blown the whistle very clearly. Everyone stops playing. Quinterly does what literally everyone does. And goes up for a layup and Plopsic like slaps him in his face. Nothing was called, but he went to help Quinterly up. Quinterly said, take a hike. I don't want your hand. Euros Plopsic, watch him, folks. He is he does not play basketball 100% of the time, and it's going to bite them in the ass at some point. I have a feeling. Um, a few other news and, and well, let me, wanna, let me add yeah, on to that. Ahead. If I can, for a minute, I, uh, same thing happened to Arizona. He got teed up against Arizona and I mean, it wasn't in a crucial situation by any means, but yeah, I mean, it's, he's seen shown a propensity to do that this year. So sorry, continue on. Though. Don't apologize. I, I didn't really give you a chance to a- add on to that because you're right. And that was a crucial one, one, two possession game towards the end of the game. And, and those points are going to matter. Um, let's move on now, Taylor, to Virginia real quick. They haven't played well the last two games. Against Duke, they should have lost that game most likely. Kyle Filipowski would have had to hit a free throw, but they got the benefit of a friendly whistle, which I was wrong on in, in watching that. But they probably should have lost to Duke at home. Wouldn't have been that great of a loss because Duke can't play on the road. But we, we would have... We would have excused it. And then last night, they're within one possession of Louisville. Louisville could have tied the game at the very end. They were only down three. Virginia, albeit they're 2-0, and but those are some troubling, troubling performances uh, against Duke and especially Louisville. That can't happen. No, I mean, I have no idea how anyone even plays Louisville close unless Ellis is having a game, which, I mean, he had an okay game. Um as I, as I brought up the other day, still 12,000 people showing up to the Yum Center. Still. I mean, Great obviously. basketball town. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what a, 
unbelievable that they're still getting 12,000 people uh, at these games. Um, not sure what the what the scene was like in there for this game because I honestly wasn't necessarily paying all that much attention to this game because I figured at some point, ah, okay, Virginia will just they'll blow them out, they'll blow them out, and they were holding Louisville to, to for scoreless stretches for like four or five minutes and still not pulling away, then they would just decide, oh, we're not going to score for three and a half minutes then instead, you know? So they pulled away enough to win, but by a possession, no, nah, it's, it's not pretty. Um, and it's not anything to do with like, like, you know, they're, they're shooting the ball. Okay. They didn't turn the ball over at all. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a little tough. You know, they're obviously super slow paced and, you know, my complaint with anyone who is this slow of paced is, is this is what you can run into sometimes. Like, if you're efficient, that's great, but there's just not enough possessions that you're going to out-efficient another team if that team just happens to be shooting the ball well that night. And I think that's kind of what we saw from Louisville here today is, you know, Louisville shot the ball decently and Virginia just doesn't generate enough possessions per game to pull away. So if the other team is playing well, they can sometimes hang in it. It's the blessing and the curse. It's why you lose to a 16 seed. It's also why you win the national championship, right? And so uh, I know that's not rocket science, what I'm saying. This has been the knock on on Louisville or on uh, on Virginia forever. Uh, the good thing for Virginia is we know the system works, right? Like it, even though you have some of these one-off or, or random situations where a team does hang in there with them, like the last couple of games, um, they generally have enough, you know, uh, seniority because Kihei Clark's like 35 years old and uh, they have enough uh, a system in place that works and uh, the maturity to to make sure that they don't lose these type of games despite despite how close they are they were it's a great point that you bring up I don't know if there's been a team more critical or folks have been more critical of that just continues to win and win and win. I think the only down year they've had in the last six or so was the COVID year when they lost to Ohio in the first round. And I think they were missing a ton of players for that matchup. I think it was a 13 or a 13, four, but we were all so critical of Virginia, I think for the most part, and we all hate the way that they play. I know Rothstein has a tweet for Tony Bennett. That's kind of ironic and pokes fun at it when he says it's a thing of beauty when I think even he knows it's kind of ugly, but there was a, about a two to three year stretch where they ran the ACC. And that was an ACC that was comprised of a guy, guys like, like Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett who were in there. Right. And so Virginia, I, I know we're probably looking at, splitting hairs here two and oh they should have lost to duke didn't won that game competitive tight with louisville who cares all that matters is getting the win and where are they right now seventh seventh seed uh excuse me seventh ranking and atop the acc my only problem with them as we project forward is they're just not as efficient as they usually are and they're not as good defensively as they usually are so for me they're not I don't look at them as like a national championship contender. I just don't think they're they're as good on either side of the ball as some of their very good teams that they've had, which is which is saying a lot to ask them to be a top five team offensive and def- defensive efficiency every year. Like that's damn near impossible, right? But this year they're not exactly the most efficient on either side of the ball. So and that's what happens is just like this Louisville game is okay. It's really good when this system works at its peak, but when it's under its peak, that's that's what scares me come 
maybe not the first weekend, but come that sweet 16, you play a really good team, a run and gun offensive team. You just can't generate enough possessions. And if you're just even a little bit less efficient than normal, then I can't see them going all that far in the tournament. Well, this goes back to what we discussed last episode about how it's, it's a bad narrative that we say there's no good teams. Everyone sucks. Well, that isn't true, but I will agree with you, Taylor, that if someone asked me, do you put UVA in the likes of a Houston, in the likes of a Purdue, Alabama, Kansas? No, I don't. I don't put them in the same category as like a UCLA or a Tennessee or even an Arizona. I, I don't know if I'd put maybe in Arizona and Virginia would be a more a better comp. Maybe also UCLA eh, a little bit, but there's there's levels to this as folks will say. And UVA is not in that that top level for sure. I agree there. Yeah, I would say even like in, in Arizona has a higher ceiling than Virginia because yeah. at least at least Arizona can get out and go. They can be super elite offensively and they have elite yeah. size, maybe the best size in the country. Virginia Definitely. can't quite hang their hat on something that they're that elite at, right? Like you being slow they're an elite slow team. Like that's not really, that doesn't, that doesn't work. Right. You have to be an elite defensive team with that pace. So I would still put them a tier below even like UCLA, Arizona. Yeah. Even though they're seventh God, I'd probably, I don't know. I'd take Tennessee over them. If K state was rolling, I might take them Mm -hmm. over Virginia. Yeah. Cause at least you got, you got, uh, Hey, Keontae Johnson, go get me a bucket, go get me six more buckets today you know i'm not sure i'm not sure i can look at virginia and say yeah kihei clark's not going to go out there and dominate you know i I just don't see them having like that big of a difference maker where some of these guys i can say okay arizona size ucla defense purdue zach Eady. for me in virginia i just don't see that with them yeah kihei clark was kind of cooking against duke but i i see exactly what your point is and look they don't have the size jack salt uh mamadou Mamadou, who was uh, Diakite? Diakite. I don't know if that was his first name, but Diakite. Uh, yeah, those guys aren't walking through that door. But enough about Virginia. We'll see how they move forward. Let's go to the Big East. Guess who's standing atop, baby? Sole possession. Not your Travis Diener, Dwayne Wade, Tom Kareen era, Marquette, Golden Eagles, Shaka Smart. Year two, kind of a cast off from Texas. And he had a really good season last year in his first year at Milwaukee. Now he is in the pole position to win the Big East regular season title. Tyler Kolek, you guys know how much I love this guy. He reminds me so much of Jason Williams, so much white chocolate in Tyler Kolek. And it was a great point guard matchup. Sule Boom was tremendous for about 19 minutes and 30 seconds. And then I think he had a couple costly turnovers for Xavier. But Marquette does beat Xavier at home in a thrilling game. We've been really treated the last couple nights with Big East matchups between Providence Creighton and then Marquette Xavier. But when the dust is settling, Taylor, do you see Marquette staying atop the Big East? Because that's where they're at right now. Boy, yeah, that's a great question. Um, Are they... Them and Xavier, honestly, they're about as maybe not quite as much Xavier, but they're about as what the biggest surprise in college basketball this year in terms of someone being really good. I mean, I don't think anyone would have been like, oh yeah, Marquette, Marquette's going to move up just outside the top ten by fe- you know in February. I don't think anybody had that on this on their schedule show. So uh, a really good offensive team, 
Um, a terrible rebounding team, that's going to be their problem uh, in the tournament. They're like almost DFL in the country in rebounds. That's dead fucking last for those who don't know what that means. Uh, so that's that's not going to work uh, going forward, especially in the tournament. The Big East has never been... They've never been known as like the biggest conference, right? I, I would say I don't think that's going off off base by saying that. So that's what my fear for them is. They get up against into the tournament with someone with some real size. That's going to be some bad news for them. Yeah, I think they're relying. They're going to have to rely on Omex Prosper if if that's the case. All time name, by the way, great name for Marquette. But I I really don't have a ton to to add to what you said and to add to. Uh, this game, but it was another thrilling one. You're right, Xavier. And, and by the way, Xavier wins that game, I think, relatively easily if they have a free mantle, if they're fully healthy. I think a lot of people are forgetting that he is not there right now for the Musketeers. I, Xavier continues to impress me uh, because of that. You know, I, I know that we can't say, oh, coulda, shoulda, woulda, whatever. I know that we all have issues, right? But I, to go on the road, number 11 or 13 or whatever Marquette is, without what we we had this discussion is Fremantle their second best player given yeah depending on the night I, I you know depending on the night right um and to to take this team and what you know to to almost beat you know the top team in your conference on the road uh they continue to grind it out they're continue to be good offensively um i think I'm, i'd be much more confident in xavier in the tournament than in uh in marquette that's for sure mm. Mm, I don't know. I I don't know about that if because Fremantle is there. Tyler Kolek, you know I love guard play. Come NCAA tournament time, Kolek is one of the best point guards in the entire country. I think he could carry. Sule Boom. I mean, I agree. He's. I don't think he's on Kolek's yeah. level. Tyler Kolek facilitates. Okay, okay he sure. Or he's awesome. Sure, um, but what what Xavier has? Xavier has a better point guard than you know. Their difference in point guards is much smaller than their difference on the on the in the front court, in, in my estimation. Yeah, in, if you look at the differences between them and Marquette, if we're just comparing the two going into like a tournament setting. Well, I like like you could put the ball. I, I like Prosper you could put too. the ball in, but you could put the ball in Boom's hand too, and just be like, "Hey, go take over." It's two minutes left, you know. And they he at least has a you know Nunji and Fremantle to to you know be along there with them. Kolek misses a bucket. They're going the other way because ain't nobody on that team's getting a rebound, and that's going to be it for them. Yeah. So Marquette atop there of the Big East, and Taylor, to your point about you can't celebrate what it could have, should have, would have. That is only if you lose a player for the year. By my estimation and by the original diagnosis, Fremantle hopefully is going to be back for the Big East tournament, and if not, yep. he may have to be able to gut it out for the NCAA tournament so you can project I suppose what you think Xavier is they kind of remind me of the Big East version of TCU I don't think Xavier or TCU has any venom or poison in them to go to the second weekend without the likes of Fremantle without the likes of a healthy Lampkin without the likes of a Mike Miles so we'll see if we can get those teams back to whole and then that's exactly what we want to see we want to see them uh, jump up Last but not least here, Taylor, before we get to this upcoming weekend, I just want to make a quick point. Uh, Clemson beat Florida State by 40. I'm going through the scores. I don't know. Yeah, you seem a bit surprised by that. I don't know if you saw that, 
But I think the final was 94-54. This is a Clemson team that was reeling. Florida State just off the heels of, I think, Leonard Hamilton quelling and squashing any retirement talk. He was like, no, there's still work to be done. They didn't get started on that work. They lost by 40 to Clemson. And feel free to check my math. Feel free to check that score, TD. But the, uh, lost in all the great matchups that we just talked about, I saw that score line and almost fell off my couch. Yeah, thank you for making me aware of this as well, because this wasn't exactly top priority. But going back, actually, this brings up a great thing of why I think uh, you are a little incorrect in thinking the ACC is slightly better than people are giving it credit for. Florida State has six wins in conference. How does this Florida State win have six, or this team have six wins in conference? Because they are atrocious. Then so, Georgia I'm, Tech, I'm, BC. I mean, yeah, but like, let, you know what? Let, Clemson's, let me, uh, Clemson's on the bubble. Hang on. Clemson's on the bubble. Pitt, UVA, Miami, Duke, Carolina's on the bubble. So that's six. Who am I missing? Vatex stinks. I'm out on them. Is yeah, that is that pretty yeah. much it? Right? Like, who, who else am I missing there? That's six. I guess, I guess let's put it this way the top. Well, I guess what we also have to remember is the ACC now has 29 teams in it, too, as well. So. What what if they have actually eighteen right? So I have forget sometimes yes sometimes I forget how many Cubes. teams they actually have. Yeah right exactly. So it's like yeah the ACC they're gonna have six tournament teams. Well they're yeah they're gonna have twelve teams that miss it though like that, that that's not good. So I mean this Florida State team though talk about I know we're rehashing stuff that we talked about months ago but losses to Stetson to Siena to Nebraska you know all of these. Uh, really horrible teams. And um, yeah, they beat Pitt, which is ridiculous considering their number. Yeah, that's all I need to tell you is that they beat Pitt and that's the number one team in the conference, man. Okay. Competitive but league. Any- how, did I, how did I forget about <laughs> NC State? And then how did I forget about my my darlings in Winston-Salem who, who I thought had a great win in Wisconsin? Turns out Wisconsin stinks. Uh, Wake Forest, nah, they, Wake Forest is in that like you're not you're not a bubble team, but you don't, absolutely suck <laughs> yeah. they're they're in no man's land you know what's crazy to me too uh, about this conference and a team in this conference just because this is the time of year we start talking about things like quadrant which quadrant wins and stuff there and north carolina still doesn't have a quad one win this year that's bad you know what they uh, do have they have preseason all-american cachet and armando baycott yeah a year coming off of a national title game appearance and what they wear on their chest. And Kentucky just picked up their, I know it's not an AC team, but Kentucky just picked up their second quad one win this year. So, uh, who has, someone has like 11 this year. Uh, so, you know, to say, oh, well, how many teams? Oh, Kansas is 12. 12 is his, Kansas is 12 quad ones this year. That's Good like Lord. more than the ACC has like combined. So yeah, that's absurd. To have hey, that, we, many, that many, that many uh, upper, that many upper echelon uh, wins is is really quite absurd. Hey, how do we get a Kentucky Carolina play-in game? I, can you fi- can you figure that out for me? They need to make the tournament first. Uh, oh, Kentucky, can, come on! Kentucky did pick up a good win uh, against Mississippi State. Um, yeah, I that would be great though. That would talk about all-time feeder in Dayton. Uh, That's what we need. That's what we need. Theater in Dayton at at 3 p.m. on a on a on a Monday. It's Kentucky or on a Tuesday or whatever. Kentucky, North Carolina in Dayton. 
Uh, it'll be like a 6 p.m. tip. Spiro Didi's on the call. It's going to be a blue blood matchup. That would be a ton of fun. Kentucky would take it over, though. They're close to Dayton. So just because you brought up announcing, I want to surprise you with something you might be unaware of. Mm-hmm. And I was f- figuring out the right time to do this. Oh, Are you familiar with an announcer named Gus Johnson? You've heard of oh. him before. Here and there, yes. Did you know that the official March Madness YouTube account came out with just last week Was it came out with no came out with all of those highlights and those compilations and everything that we use for our intro and that we've been watching for years they came out with a new gus johnson highlight video and it's all of the actual clips from the games not just like some dude recording a tv on his like 2011 iphone <laughs> like the actual recordings of the game seven minutes long it is a dream to listen to it's like oh i can, uh, and i'm not saying anything bad about our products here i'm just saying that all the other compilations that have ever been put together have been like somehow being recorded on a vhs tape uh, volume fluctuating <laughs> yeah I was, and so i will send it to you because i'm sure you're going to want to tweet it out but there is a new clear crisp gus johnson compilation put together by the official nca march madness youtube account so surprise <laughs> please send that to me please do and maybe we'll update our intro song, but also the audacity of the official NCAA, right? The, the tournament or whatever your account it is, because that is called by the family of networks, CBS, TBS, TNT, True TV. Like, God, i already dreading the, I can't find True TV, blah, blah, blah. Shut up. Go find True TV. How about that? February 16th, go find True TV right now. But the audacity from these folks to put that out and not even have Gus call on any of these games. Am I supposed to yearn for this nostalgia? I mean, obviously I am, but bring his ass back. I'm glad you said that. Is this like foreshadowing? Ooh, see, you're much more positive than me. I took the negative. Could this light be there. foreshadowing also not to get too far off the rails here. Wow. What a, what a topical, uh, Current event. Talk about uh, oh, no, oh, no, no, Eastern Ohio. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, right. Amongst other places in the country. Anyway, um, I had a guy, he'll remain nameless. He asked me the other day what I do, what I'm doing for the tournament because he knows I'm a college basketball guy. And I said, Yeah, what I usually do is I grab a 30 rack of course light and don't move for two days. He's like, He's like, yeah, dude. Well, if you want to get together for the games, I'm, I'm like, yeah, dude. No, I'd be down. He's like, yeah, I just got to make sure I have all the apps on the on my TV. And then so no. I'm like, no, nah, nah, dog, no, nah, that's no, nah, that's gonna be a no for me, brother. Uh, oh. uh, <laughs> nah, Thank man, you for like, sharing I'm gonna, that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be at home. Thank you. I also got invited to a Super Bowl party last week where the guy said, yeah, I'll make sure I have the Fox app. And I said, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. In the words of Magic Johnson, because I'm gonna be there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be here. God, you want to talk audacity, the audacity of those people to, to try and host that. Um, yeah, that's bad. I'll tell you what though. It's It's a better option than me. Again, I'm I've been dreading this for a year. I hope my wife's not listening to it because it's her friend that's getting married, but I will have to, uh, I know wedding weekend, first weekend. So I'd rather be sitting on a couch with a buffering screen for an app than missing it all together. Consider yourself lucky, Demel. All right, let's move on now. Just real quick, games to watch. What are you excited about this upcoming weekend? 
Uh, well, we kind of referenced it earlier. Uh, it's the only top 10 matchup of the weekend, so we kind of have to talk about it. It's it's Baylor-Kansas. It is everything you want a college matchup to be uh, late in the season here. Uh, a first place uh, you know, matchup on the line there in the Big 12. So pretty much automatically means Kansas is going to win. Um, but as big of a game as we could probably ask for at this point in the season, I know we'll have a couple other big ones coming up. But Saturday, prime time uh, at Fog Allen on ESPN. Uh, you know, I don't think I, there's really a lot I need to say as to why I'm excited about this game. But talk about a separating or separation point in conference. This is it. I mean, if the whoever wins this game, in my estimation, is going to win the conference because I just don't see Texas or Iowa State or even Kansas State as much as we've talked about them uh, tonight. I can't see them winning out. There is one team in this conference or two teams in this conference I could see winning out, but it's only one of these two after today or after a Saturday. That's the beauty of, of the big 12, but also of this matchup. We've been having a lot of fun watching the likes of Iowa state. And you mentioned these teams, Iowa state, TCU, Kansas state, Texas, but in the back of our minds, we know there's big dogs on the block and those Two big dogs are the last couple defending national champions in Baylor and in Kansas. And you referenced this last episode. We talk about it all the time. Whenever someone thinks that they're making a move in the Big 12, no, it's really Kansas's conference or it's Baylor's conference. Did anyone really take advantage of Kansas losing three straight in the middle of the season a couple of weeks ago? Clearly not. They're atop the conference. Baylor right there as well. So this is when... I mean, I think what we love about this is we know these two teams are for real. This isn't, oh, man, maybe Kansas State might falter in the in the round of 16. Maybe Texas doesn't have it. We know these guys. We know this pedigree. We know what these two teams are, are made of. I'm excited for it as well, Taylor. Real quick, mine that I'm looking forward to, San Jose State hosts New Mexico. New Mexico struggling a bit. San Jose State actually on a bit of a uh, hot streak. And I think Tim Miles is doing a great job. I'll let you talk to that. But this is a big one in the Mountain West, more so for New Mexico, because if they don't win, they could very well be on the outside looking in if they aren't already. And they're going to have to play some catch up and they're going to have to enter and shift their attitude into win or go home mode. There are certain teams where you, at this point in the season, you got to shift your attitude to, hey, this is postseason basketball. New Mexico loses to San Jose State. Shoot, even entering that game, they're in that that uh, element. So I'm looking forward to that one in the Mountain West. It's going to be pretty isolated on a lazy Friday. T, let's go ahead and get to your bets. You had a wonderful week last week, uh, but first – a message from SeatGeek. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from No Credentials Required to talk to you about one of our newest partners at Belly Up Sports, SeatGeek. Yeah, live sports is great on television, but the feeling of being at the arena is a priceless experience. That's why our friends at SeatGeek are there to help you find the best tickets at the best prices. Not only can you get tickets to sporting events, you can also get tickets to concerts, comedy shows, musicals, and more. Search for your desired event now at SeatGeek.com, enter promo code BellyUpSports at checkout and you save 20 bucks off your first purchase. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. The 3 and O man, Taylor. Quick recap. Providence plus two versus Creighton. Indeed. St. John's minus one to Paul. Took two overtimes, but yay. Ooh. 
indeed. Uh, so did Providence Creighton. Sorry, forgot about that. And then Kansas minus one at Oklahoma State. They they won pretty handily. Well done, Taylor. I needed a miracle from uh, Ade Wusu. Is that his last name there on uh, St. John's? Uh, at the buzzer. A phenomenal game, honestly. Two essentially two buzzer beaters in the last uh, in the last four seconds or uh, two game deciding shots in the last four seconds before we even got to double overtime. But yes, as bad as my record is this year, which it's what 15 and 17, something like that. Yeah. Uh, I've gone three and O oh, I think three or four times this year. So uh, to me, that's worth more than just plodding along at one and two, two and one every week. That means that I've made six or seven hundred dollars uh, three or four times, and you're not going to do that just winning one or two games at a time. So, uh, at least that's what my defense is for this poor record this year. Uh, anyway, let's do it again. Let's go. Let's go six and zero this week. If you're cool with that, Sue, let's start off. It. Let's start off with uh, a team we haven't talked about uh, recently, but is a, a pretty decent team. A team I picked a little high. Uh, to win a conference, but um, it's not terrible. They're not terrible. They're actually pretty decent, a little better than expected this year, and that's the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm going to take them by eight at home against the Ohio State Buckeyes, who are just god-awful uh, at this point in the season. Uh, there's, <laughs> Is there any way to sugarcoat that better than I did, Subi? What, would you, what are your thoughts on Ohio State? Ass! <laughs> yeah, okay, there you go. There, so that's my, that's, there's, there's my science to that pick right there. Iowa by eight at home. Iowa has a lot to play for at this point. Ohio State has nothing to play for. They're going to have to win their conference tournament, uh, you know, in my mind to get into the tournament. Uh, they're just bad all around. Uh, speaking of the Big Ten, let's travel to College Park, Maryland, where I'm going to go with the visiting Purdue Boilermakers, just one point favorites on the road. Purdue has lost their last two road games in a row. But I just can't see them continuing to lose. Maryland, I know, plays very well at home. Um, Purdue, like we said, a couple losses on the road this year. But I just straight up think that Purdue is a better, uh, you know, is a better basketball team than Maryland. That's not exactly stepping out on any type of limb there. So we're going to roll with Purdue essentially just to win at Maryland. I'm sure it will be lighted there in College Park. Perhaps SVP will even be, you know, in the crowd. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, number three, uh, we're going to go a little more obscure. We're going with the University of Wil Wisconsin-Milwaukee Panthers, plus nine and a half, visiting the Youngstown State. Sue, can you tell me the Youngtown Youngstown State mascot? Morgan Freeman would love this team. Wow. The Penguins. The Penguins. Thank you, sir. The Southern Hemisphere only Youngstown State Penguins. Uh, you know, this one struck me as kind of strange. It's not like I know a ton about these teams. Not going to lie about that. But uh, this Wisconsin-Milwaukee team, they're 18 and 8 on the year. Uh, the, the Penguins are 20 and 7. But the Panthers beat uh, the Penguins by 13 points just a couple of weeks ago. And they're... Uh, they're underdogs by nine and a half on the road. So to me, something looked a little funky about that. Uh, so I'm rolling and Youngstown state is only six and five at home against the spread. So it's not like they're world beaters at home either. So Wisconsin, Milwaukee plus nine and a half Purdue minus one and Iowa minus eight. I really can't wait till we get this roll going. Um, we're going to be here next, next Tuesday 
and it's going to be six and zero. I'm looking forward to it, Taylor. All right. Six in the oh, last man. couple of weeks. That's right. And we'll get over, we'll get over 500. <laughs> if we cherry pick where we want to start and stop. Yes. So, yeah, that's right. Perfect. Perfect uh, record. All right, T let's go ahead, get on out of here with some good things. What do you got? So I actually have two. I was struggling to find a, a good thing. Uh, my short one is going to be that uh, Duke played the Michigan state uh, fight song uh, on their bells on campus yesterday. Uh, so that was a nice little touch. Uh, there in support of, of Michigan State. Um, but you just brought up what, what my other good thing is, and that's San Jose State, 16 and 10 this year, fifth in the Mountain West, Tim Miles' first year at the helm there. Uh, really, you know, putting together a strong foundation, just uh, swept UNLV, like you said, New Mexico at home here this week. Uh, they win that. They have a real chance to win 20-plus games this year, uh, which would be a, a really, really good uh, season for San Jose State any year. Any year, it would be good for San Jose State to win 20 years uh, or 20 games, but especially the Mountain West is so good this year. Um, and in Tim Miles' first year, Tim Miles' the type of guy, this is our second Terrence Petaway uh, Nebraska ball reference because he was the coach on those teams. But um, yeah, a guy that always seems to like be good enough, but never be able to stretch it over the top. And maybe a program the size of San Jose State is just perfect for a guy like Tim Miles. David Miller worked on Tim Miles' staff, great friend of the program. Couldn't say enough great things about Tim Miles. So that's all we really need to know. second year there? Second. Sorry, I said first year. Yeah, my bad. No, that's fine. But he is doing a tremendous job there with uh, with San Jose State and very much looking forward to that game on Friday against New Mexico. My good thing is also something that we've already referenced because we had a huge slate to cover, but it's Jalen Pickett, 41 points. Very well could be an All-American for Penn State. And so when you think about these types of performances, I, I just want the the theater goer and the watcher and the viewer to truly appreciate how difficult that shit is. It is damn near impossible to score 41 points in 40 minutes of college action. The way games are called, how choppy it is, how there's zero flow, especially in the Big Ten. Did you ever think in your wildest imagination that in the Big Ten where we routinely see halftime scores of 30 to 26 that a guy like Jalen Pickett, who's been amazing this season would absolutely go off against one of the better teams in the big 10 in Illinois, a team that's bound for the tournament. So I want to hat tip Jalen Pickett. I want to hat tip Shrewsbury. You know how much I love that guy. I still think that they're building a foundation. We talk about Rutgers and how I want to see them take the next step in the maturation process. I now want to see Penn state take that next step, which is actually where Rutgers is at which is being a tournament team. And Jalen Pickett has done yeoman's work. They still got Miles Dredd. They have a decent foundation. Uh, so I'm hoping we can see one more performance from Jalen Pickett, let's say, in the Big Ten tournament. Hopefully he can give that to us. But regardless, young man, 41 points against a Brad Underwood-led team. You get my great thing of the week. Taylor, let's go ahead, get on out of here. Enjoy this upcoming weekend. Enjoy specifically that Baylor-Kansas game. It's going to be a barn burner, and we'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.